It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Wednesday, a sunshiny, bright Wednesday with a lot of snow on the ground. Thank you so much for joining us. Scott Foster here, sent in for Tyler. Jason Jorgensen will be up in a moment. Bob Brogan is here also, and we are joined by Susan Littlefield. Good morning to you, Susan. Well, good morning to you guys as well. The snow uh, was pretty consistent across the state of Nebraska. You said uh, earlier when we talked, Susan, about five inches, you thought, is what you got there? We did. And, you know, last night when I was doing chores, I wish I would have videotaped the sheep running through the snow in slow motion to come (laughs) eat grain because I think it would have been a really cool video. But I couldn't do two things at once. Well, I I understand. But uh, I imagine, you know, they're, they're not always... You know, they're an interesting animal because sometimes they seem extremely graceful with some of the stunts they do. And at other times, they seem like really klutzes. Oh, yeah. I think sometimes more klutzes than anything else. (laughs) Well, what's the farm team got for us today? Well, we're going to hit a variety of different topics. Alex will kick everything off at 1219 as, believe it or not, the Department of Homeland Security. She's going to focus on that. They visited the INR at UNL, so they're going to talk about a relationship with between DHS and the IANR. That'll come up at 1219. And then coming up at 1245, Bryce will step in as we join the Nebraska Soybean Board's Executive Director to discuss 2020 and a preview of what's going to be in store for the soybean industry come 2021. And then Congressman Jeff Fortenberry will wrap it up with Bryce at 117 as he talks about the $11.2 million in federal funding for the planning and design of the USDA's Ag Research Service Facility. So it's going to be another busy day from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. We'll hear from you in just a moment. Let's uh, turn it over now to Jason Jorgensen and give us a little preview on what we're going to be hearing on sports. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, the Nebraska men's basketball team will attempt to end a very long losing streak in Big Ten play. I'll have to admit, I didn't know it was this long until I went and I looked it up. But did you know, Nebraska has now dropped 17 straight Big Ten games dating back to last year. Another tough one tonight at 5.30. They take on 25th-ranked Ohio State. Of course, we will bring you the game tonight here on 880. KRVN. Also, some more news on the Husker football front. Uh, cornerback DiCaprio Boodle has decided not to return for a sixth year of eligibility. That makes sense. A lot of players are doing this. Uh, he is going to uh, dip his toe into the waters of the NFL draft, so we'll see how that works out for him in 2021. A couple of bowl games uh, yesterday and last night. Good one. Uh, late yesterday afternoon, the cheese at bowl as Oklahoma State was able to hold off. Miami. So all of that and much more coming up in sports. All right. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it back. Uh, let's turn it over to Bob Rogan. Stocks on the way up today. Stocks broadly higher in trading, uh, putting the market back on a very positive footing following a modest pullback yesterday. The S&P hovering around its record high. Tech stocks are leading the gains. Uh, small company stocks again outpace their larger rivals. Meanwhile, the number of Americans who signed contracts to buy homes declined again last month, but was still a record high, at least for uh, November. And uh, also there's some discussions by senators on uh, that political bind that's been created by uh, the $2,000, proposed $2,000 COVID-19 relief checks instead of $600 payments. So that 
discussion goes on. All right, thank you so much, Bob. Let's turn it back over to Susan as we continue midday. It is 11.44 here in the central time zone, and time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And we have uh, weatherman extraordinaire Tyler Cavalli in here. You've done a lot of weather over the last couple days. Today was a little quiet. You know, Paul Perkins uh, has prepared me for this week and days like this, so days like yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we learned from the best. So we, uh, we have we have been we were hit by a lot. And when you when you look at the forecast today, and they're just a sentence, it's like <laughs> they were paragraphs yesterday. Yeah, when, you, so. when you can get through the uh, the forecast in under two minutes, that's a, that's a strange now. It is looking at the uh, the visible satellite images of the state of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You know, things are pretty clear across the state. In fact, so much so that you can see the uh, rivers and tributaries and stuff and so where the snow went i thought i thought yesterday and you gave me a list of uh, snowfall totals but it was pretty consistent really across the state of nebraska i mean it was i mean it was four or five here in central and a little bit to the west but gosh a lot of sevens yeah and in northeast nebraska in particular it looked like uh, a little bit north of grand island and northeast from there that's kind of where that storm sat and i think that's kind of what the National Weather Service had mentioned, that that's why they issued that winter storm warning, because they were just going to get dumped on. And they did with St. Paul getting the most eight inches. And then a lot of uh, seven and a half. Yeah, that's right. They needed that. Everybody needs it, right? And everybody got some. They did. It, it, it gave it. And we, again, kudos to the Weather Service, because we said it looks like it's going to encompass the whole state of Nebraska, we were saying on Monday. And, and it really, it really did. And the only thing right now is uh, temperatures still pretty cold. They're going to be cold pretty much the rest of the day. We only expect temperatures in the 30s. Panhandle might start to see some 40s. But overall, today is going to be a little bit colder. Same thing tomorrow. But on your New Year's Day and heading into the um, the new year overall, uh, looking at drier temperatures, which is uh, good, allows the snow to melt and soak in. We're not really expecting any kind of winter storms until po- possibly uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day early on. But this is going to be for extreme southeast Nebraska, much of the central and eastern Kansas region. But Nebraska going to be able to avoid this upcoming winter storm that they're expecting on uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Overall, though, a stormy pattern bringing some beneficial precipitation for the U.S. winter wheat crop and some chances for showers in Argentina are the primary features for the commodity market's attention today. The DTN Ag Weather Forecast calls for a storm system to continue to bring moderate precipitation to the region today, including snow over the north. Now, the second piece of the storm will produce more freezing rain Thursday night into Friday as the system moves north, with freezing rain changing over to snow in the west. Now, a much-needed boost to soil moisture is anticipated from the dual low-pressure systems. In the 6- to 10-day outlook, it'll be mostly dry Monday and Tuesday, with scattered showers today, or pardon me, next Wednesday into Thursday, and isolated showers on Friday. Temperatures will be above normal Monday to Friday. Now in the southern plains, a strong system brought moderate rainfall across the south and snowfall across the north Tuesday, along with a zone of freezing rain. The front of the system will continue to produce a rain across the south on Wednesday. A secondary low-pressure center will develop on Thursday in Texas, bringing showers back through the southeastern half of the region and through Friday before exiting. 
More ice and snow are expected across much of this portion of the region, and a system will move across the northern tier of the U.S. early next week while another storm system moves into the west. The western system will emerge in the plains in the middle of next week with some showers. Another system will then move into the west at the end of next week. Temperatures falling below normal will rise above normal next week. Short-term stress to livestock is expected in the interim. Now in the northern plains, moderate snow fell in the Dakotas on Tuesday, and temperatures will remain above normal during the next 10 days with lower-than-normal stress on livestock. Scattered showers, meanwhile, will continue to fall against the middle of Brazil, but are mostly light to moderate outside of some localized heavy areas. Corn and soybeans in the reproduction to filling stage are finding tough conditions as showers continue to be scattered and lighter than normal. Southern areas have been stressed lately as showers have been more isolated, and a system will bring more scattered showers over southern areas Wednesday and Thursday, but look to be brief as showers move back into Brazil through the weekend and into next week, causing stress to reproductive corn and soybeans. And finally, in Argentina, widespread showers that started over southern areas Tuesday night are moving through the rest of the country today. With dryness from last week, the showers will be welcome. However, dryness will follow behind the system through the weekend for most areas, and areas that are missed are likely to be more stressed, but western areas may see some isolated showers during the weekend into early next week. A system in the middle of next week may produce additional showers. But overall, here in the state of Nebraska and in the region, we expect dry conditions heading into this weekend. Again, if you're in central and eastern Kansas or very, very far southeast Nebraska, you may see some of that snow moving in uh, New Year's Eve and possibly some of New Year's Day. We seem to be kind of in a in a pattern right now. We got some we got some weather coming through. We get we're out of that seem to be out of that super dry pattern that we are in there for a while. Maybe this is a good thing. It is, and it, it again we got some of the good precipitation, and now let it melt. The one thing we're looking at now is hopefully we get some warmer temperatures, which it looks like next week we will. Okay. All right, very good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, get uh, one question for you. Where do you go to check in on your weather? For more weather, go to krvn.com. The Department of Homeland Security recently made a trip to Nebraska to discuss with Husker officials about the security of the nation's food system. Mike Bain is the vice president and vice chancellor of the Institute of Ag and Natural Resources, and he explains the purpose for the DHS visiting Nebraska. For the first time since I've been here and for the first time since the Department of Homeland Security has been in place uh, since 9-11, we get a chance to showcase what we're doing at the Institute in basic science, in our teaching and learning, outreach and engagement programs that absolutely can be picked up and applied towards safeguarding American agriculture. David Richardson is the Assistant Secretary for the Department of Homeland Security's Countering Weapons of Mass Destruction Office. At first glance, it's kind of confusing why the Department of Homeland Security would be visiting the Institute of Ag and Natural Resources. But Mike explains why they came and what he'd hope they'd take away. Every day, whether it's working with a farmer at a new cultivar of wheat, whether it's working with a feed yard producer at how to put in biosecurity checkpoints to our um, understanding of viruses through the Nebraska Virus uh, Center for Virology to uh, looking at our food processing center and thinking about 
food processing and maybe even a lesson from COVID with the, the log jam uh, in our meat packing facilities and how that showed a vulnerability in our food system and how do you work around that and never let that happen to things like workforce development our pork producers and thinking about how do you how do you monitor the health of those animals when we have such a low unemployment rate in Nebraska so all of those things come back into play um, so first thing was we wanted to showcase as many uh, innovations and also appreciate that we're a learning institution so we have 3,200 students we have uh, 652 faculty all working together with an amazing group of staff and so awareness so the things that we showed the assistant secretary highlighted innovations around food agriculture and veterinary health that uh, if you can think about those in the context of safeguarding agriculture I think now you can make the leap between what we do every day at IENR and national security homeland security and Mike said this is just another example of how the university is living out its land-grant mission. So I say it all the time, uh, KRVN and the Rural Radio Network, right? Thank you for helping tell the story. Our producers, I mean, we come from a state of innovators, right? In the ag food tech innovation space, our scientists are amazing, no question. Our students are amazing. But our producers are the most innovative producers, our ranchers, our farmers, our feed yard operators, the people who run our, our meat processing facilities, our bioethanol industry, our rail, um, our leaders in our communities. This is amazingly cool innovation platform. IENR is this ideas laboratory that takes ideas and discoveries and puts them into prototypes and then partners with the people of Nebraska, the producers of Nebraska, to find innovative solutions, this is important, that add value to their bottom line and prosperity for those communities. And, and if we can take that engine of uh, impact and align it with the uh, Department of Homeland Security at looking at big issues to safeguard agriculture today, but also into the future, uh, wow, what a great marriage. Reporting from Lincoln, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. It is 12.30 in the Central Time Zone, and that is Ellen Simmons right over there. How are you? I am good. How are you? Roads okay coming in? I took gravel. You are the queen of gravel. <laughs> I just, well, and I don't have my car today. Okay. So, yeah, I had to get an oil change. It was scheduled for 8 o'clock this morning, so it would be ready by the time I left, but I, mm. we forgot. So Okay. Well, that's all right. That's all right. So, and sometimes that's the only way I know my car is on is because the oil change light is there. So, uh, yeah. you know, whatever works. So, all right, <laughs> give us some news, will you? Well, firefighters went to the scene of a fire at Custer County Feeders around 7.30 a.m. today. And Ocano Volunteer Fire Chief Cliff Badgley gives some details. He refers to Custer County Emergency Manager Mark Rempe in his comment. Uh, about 7.23 this morning, he had a call of a feed truck on fire. I didn't know the intensity of it. 
Uh, but Mark came out right off from his house and he got out and he called in mutual aid. We had a truck in a building on fire. So we called in mutual aid, Broken Bow, Callaway, Eddyville, and Lexington to uh, help with water. Just because out here in the middle of nowhere, we don't have anything for water supply. O'Connell Volunteer Fire Chief Cliff Badgley describes the building that burned. Well, it's a, I think it's about a 40 by 60 pole building. It had two bays that were insulated. They worked in in one bay that was a storage or a truck park bay. And it started on that north end where that truck was parked at. We don't know what would have started in the truck yet. We got a fire investigator might try to come up and see if he can figure out what, what started the truck. But that was the main thing. There were no injuries reported. Badgley says there's they're pretty sure the fire started in the truck, but again, the cause is under investigation. The University of Nebraska Medical Center and Nebraska Medicine are participating in national testing of a potential new coronavirus vaccine for adults. The medical center plans to enroll 1,000 study participants for the clinical trial. The potential vaccine was developed by Novavax Incorporated, a U.S. biotechnology company which plans to enroll 30,000 adults in the U.S. and Mexico. People who won't be receiving the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine in the next three to six months are encouraged to consider enrolling in the trial. The vaccine candidate is a protein-based protein vaccine created from the coronavirus spike protein and an added component that boosts a person's immune response to stimulate higher levels of antibodies. A new program starting Friday seeks to help Nebraska veterans adopt pets. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports that the Nebraska Department of Veterans Affairs is launching its Vets Get Pets program to help pay animal adoption fees for veterans through the sale of special license plates. The new license plate design is available for all Nebraska drivers to purchase. The $5 cost for the alphanumerical version or $40 cost for custom message plates will fund an adoption fee reimbursement program for veterans expected to begin in July. Veteran Affairs Director John Hilgert says animal companions can help veterans deal with post-traumatic stress disorder. And finally, Orthman Community YMCA in Lexington will be accepting winter clothing for kids and adults during the month of January. In the Share the Warmth Drive, community members are encouraged to donate new or gently used coats, scarves, hats, and gloves or mittens. All donations will be accepted at the Orthman Community YMCA and then will be distributed locally to those in need. YMCA CEO Riley Guntrod says the YMCA is more than just a place to exercise. He says there are they are here to help serve the community and sees this as a need that they can help fill. Contact the YMCA for more information about the Winter Apparel Drive. You can find more news at krvn.com. This is Alex Wojcicki with the Rural Radio Network. Join me every other Thursday for the Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. We hear from entrepreneurs from across the state to learn about their businesses, but more importantly, we learn about their journeys and how they got to where they are today. Interested in entrepreneurship? Join us to learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln every other Thursday at 1219 right here on 880-KRVN. And if you missed the program, you can listen to the podcast at ruralradio.com. Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network, joining you from the Nebraska Soybean Studio in Lincoln. Today we are joined by Scott Ritzman. He is the Executive Director of the Nebraska Soybean Board. 
The board is the checkoff program for soybean producers in the state of Nebraska. Scott, as we look at 2020, what have been some of the accomplishments that you're proud of for the soybean checkoff? Good morning, Bryce. If I had to use one word for 2020, it would be pivot. Each and every day, the staff and I had to pivot from normal activities. We kind of kept rolling with the constant change, but one thing we remained constant was to promote and communicate to our soybean growers and customers each and every day, regardless of the circumstance. And some of the things that our board invests in, and we call them the four pillars, is research, education, and communication, domestic and international marketing. And one, one of the things under the education and communication is um, A to Z in the classroom. Um, with schools being remote and some being um, not in person, we had to pivot to do virtual things, but still deliver our soybean message and the benefits and how they're grown here in the state to our fourth grade classes. Um, on the domestic and international side, one of the accomplishments there, something we had to adapt was typically in the fall, we would have trade teams come over um, to visit the farms, talk to farmers, hear about the quality that's gonna be coming into their markets for the beef fed to livestock. Um, and they were, we weren't able to do that. So we made virtual trade team visits um, just so that we could keep that communication and dialogue open with our customers around the world. Um, and then the other part of the thing would be the research. Um, our farmers are always looking for us to provide unbiased, factual um, research information to our soybean farmers. And they're accustomed doing those through courses, um, on-field farm management practices and soybean management field days. Those things being moved virtual, we were actually able to gather more um, participants to view those at their leisure than if it was held in person Though it wasn't the same as being in person, we still gave them that factual and information that they can use to use on their farm and their farm practice management. I like the word you chose there, Scott, the pivot word and the examples you'd share, you shared of having to adjust what we would usually do in this pandemic past year. And we know that some of the challenges that we faced over the past year are going to continue into 2021. So I wanted to ask you, you know, big picture, what are some of the objectives that, uh, you and, and the soybean board as a whole have set as we do enter 2021. Yes, some of the goals and objectives for 2021 is the staff and I are going to continue to find those value-added programs that generate soybean demand as well as educate the benefits of consumers and our customers. We're looking to create new, efficient, and effective ways to build value of Nebraska soy through those four pillars that I mentioned. Um, specifically in 2021, the Nebraska Soybean Board is looking at those new use type programs involving soybean oil. We're looking at asphalt sealant projects, consumer applications, and other soy oil-based um, items. As our growers continue to grow that high-quality soybean crop each year, we need to continue to promote the uses of it in Nebraska to drive demand for soybean oil, which increases the price of soybean to our farmers. Um, we're going to continue to find um, ways to work with our partners in the industry, um, build that value-added product, um, build demand for U.S. soy, um, as well as in the export market, find ways to find those new emerging markets through our partners with United Soybean Export Council, United U.S. Meat Export Federation, and other types of entities around the world that will build that demand for Nebraska soy as well as U.S. soy. Well, as we enter the new year, one thing's for certain, Scott, producers will continue to push the envelope in terms of yields that they can get out of their crops and soybeans in this particular case. And as you mentioned, the role of the the, uh, soybean checkoff is to continue to push the uses and making sure those soybeans find a home. So as we do enter the new year, are there particular challenges and or opportunities that you see for the soybean industry? 
Yeah, I'll start with the latter one to begin. As we begin to navigate the next decade of agriculture, we need to continue to provide reliable, timely information to soybean farmers and consumers. As we've experienced this year, communicating is a vital piece to continue to drive demand and acceptance of soybean products. Um, I see the potential for growth in how we educate and communicate with a virtual aspect going forward, as well as the in-person when we're allowed to. And second, I think here in Nebraska, I think we have an opportunity to further develop our livestock development. As that industry continues to grow, um, I see the demand for more soybean meal, which will then we need to continue to look for ways to promote value-added agriculture in Nebraska and continue the exports of value-added products in addition to the commodity itself. And maybe a challenge that might arise, and it's something that's kind of been popping up over the years, is the prevalence of soybean gallmage. Um, we've seen it this year was kind of getting more widespread on the eastern side of the state. And the board will continue to invest checkoff dollars into research that benefits the soybean producers. Well, Scott, as we wrap up our conversation today, you're fairly new in your role as the executive director of the Nebraska Soybean Board. Uh, what are some of your personal goals as you continue to, to fit uh, into this and get more comfortable in the job that you do? Yeah, I mean, I did not expect to take over the Nebraska Soybean Board during a pandemic, but uh, it allowed me to do a few things. First, it allowed me really to step back and really dig deep into the weeds within the Nebraska Soybean, Soybean Board and find ways that the staff and I could work more efficient and better serve the 23,000 soybean farmers we work for each and every day. It allowed me to also work with our industry partners to find those new and exciting projects that bring both demand to our industry, but value to our producers here in Nebraska. Well, it sounds like there's plenty of work to keep uh, the staff there at the Nebraska Swooping Board busy into the next year. And Scott, appreciate your time jumping on here to talk about some of the success in 2020 and give your vision as you move into 2021. He's Scott Ritzman, the executive director of the Nebraska Swooping Board, and I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are broadly higher in trading on Wall Street, putting the market back on a positive footing following a modest pullback yesterday. The S&P 500 is hovering around its record high. Technology stocks are leading the gains. Small company stocks again outpace their larger rivals, as they have been doing all month. That's a sign that investors are feeling more optimistic about the economy. Investors were encouraged to see that Britain had authorized a coronavirus vaccine from Oxford University and AstraZeneca, which is easier to handle than others. President Donald Trump's push for bigger $2,000 COVID-19 relief checks is all but dead in the Senate. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is proposing an alternative approach of loading up the bill with other White House priorities that appears destined to fail, with Republicans deeply divided over providing more aid McConnell is trying to provide an off-ramp for GOP senators to avoid a tough vote. The stonewalling drew criticism from all corners, Trump, Democrats, and leading Republicans. But McConnell is unmoved. His new bill includes the formation of a commission to investigate the 2020 election, as well as a complicated repeal of big tech liability protections. The number of Americans who signed contracts to buy homes declined again last month, but was still a record high for November. Traditionally, the beginning of the seasonal slowdown in the real estate market. The National Association of Realtors says its index of pending sales fell 2.6% to 125.7 in November, down from October's revised reading of 129.1. Contract signings are a barometer of finalized purchases over the next two months. 
So today's report may preview what could be a strong winter for the housing market. Contract signings are still 16.4% ahead of where they were last year. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Bergen. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network joining you as today we are visiting with Congressman Jeff Fortenberry. He is the ranking member of the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Agriculture as he and I are going to visit here in a moment about an exciting announcement as he achieved $11 million in funding for USDA Agriculture Research Facility at UNL. I know you and the university leaders are all really excited about this, so help our under, help our, uh, our listeners understand what's all going on here with this $11.2 million in federal funding. This is an exciting, innovative development for Nebraska and America. The Agricultural Research Service has a series of facilities ar- around the country. Uh, frankly, Nebraska has been on a list for a very long time uh, to try to uh, create the conditions for one of these facilities that would use Uh, our expertise here at the university to further agricultural innovation and precision agriculture. I mean, technology has shifted so dramatically and the opportunity to to use this technology to enhance revenue, increase conservation, protect the environment um, is the way, one of the way forwards in which we're going to create again, the conditions for uh, agricultural well-being in our country as well as the world. So the agricultural resource uh, research service has a list Uh, A number of years ago, Nebraska is on the list. The list stopped. The list got started. It's and then it stopped again. And then um, I'm the ranking member of the Agricultural Subcommittee on Appropriations. So we fought hard through some tough negotiations to get this momentum once again going. And I'm really pleased that in the bill, as it's currently stands, we're not done yet, but as it currently stands. The blueprint is going to be paid for for this building. You mentioned just a second ago, it's a blueprint. This is not the final project. This is not construction happening at Innovation Campus, but this is looking at the design work and really doing a study into how this would look, right? That's correct. This is the beginning. It would have to be double-phased, the first phase being this, the the blueprint planning and the idea development, and then the second step is the fullness of funding. So there's more work to be done, but this is the real foothold. Nebraska's next. This aligns the expertise at our university with needed research that's good for America and good for the world in terms of agricultural innovation. I'm really pleased to have led the effort here. I think it's very important, and it's going to be a great anchor on innovative campus once we get through it all. Those comments from Congressman Jeff Fortenberry. Mike Bame serves as the Vice President of Agriculture in the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Vice Chancellor. He says Nebraska is the ideal spot for this research facility. Yeah, well, geographically, you know, we're right in the middle of everything. But the reality is that uh, Nebraska is where north meets south, east meets west. Uh, We have the third largest ag economy. Uh, We are an epicenter for red meat production. We're the beef state. But we're also a very serious state when it comes to agronomic crop production. The fact that we all work well together, producers hand in glove with researchers, with our state government support, it just is a it's a trifecta. And Congressman Fortenberry's uh, vision for uh, working these dollars into the federal appropriations bill uh, will provide us with the much needed financial resource to carry out that planning and to create a bold vision for the future that builds on the parts and pieces that have been assembled 
That again, Mike Bame, the Vice Chancellor of IANR. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Joining me, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and the publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Well, we saw some highs on the close today, John. Oh, absolutely. Another powerful, powerful day. You know, closing last night, we, we closed firm, and there was a, a report late last night that uh, no, the strike in Argentina had ended, um, but markets broke, and, and then all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, it's it's getting bought here. So I think we're, we're moving through round numbers, which makes folks, you know, encouraged to sell. You can see 13, obviously, being a spot where some folks had sales in, but we broke above, uh, you know, pretty good resistance in the corn. Uh, that that uh, 366, 466 level rather, and that uh, that opens us up here. And at this point in time, and you know, you can be as bullish as you like if South America is going to grow a crop that we think they will, uh, especially given the demand that we're seeing right now. Do you have any worries with regards to the ethanol production? I saw some obvious stocks were up, but barrels were down. Yeah, yeah obviously, you know, you, you look at gasoline at dollar 36, and you're saying how quickly can can ethanol go? But on the other side, is I think there's a bet being made that we're going to start driving more again. And it's, it's a way that like the ethanol plants, I mean, they can't get too, they can't get too slow because if things start popping again, then they're going to be forced to buy a bunch all at the same time. And I don't think they want to do that. So, you know, in the short term, I think you could be bearish and say, well, ethanol is going to hold things back. I, I could look at it the other way and say, well, yeah, we're not even using ethanol to push the market here. And I think that that could be something on the horizon, not to get political here, but in the first six, what, you know, just as, President-elect Biden or President Biden, whatever you want to call him at this point, he's been pretty – I think the, the the trajectory that he's going to take ag in a little bit different direction as far as energy use relative to the Trump administration. You know, President Trump tried to kind of play both sides with the oil, with the oil sector and the ag sector. Um, but I think, you know, given what we're hearing out of the EPA and things like that, and I know there's a lot of downsides when it comes to the farming side of it, but uh, I think demand is going to be pretty good on biofuels. It's going to be something they're going to try to use, especially in, in Asia, as, as that's where the real problems with pollution are. So short term here, I think we're we're kind of dealing with a market that's trying to find out what's valued is what. And that's the thing I kind of ask folks is, what is $5 nowadays? Like, what really is that worth relative to what it was nine months ago? I don't think anybody can really say, really say one way or the other. Definitely something to think about as we head into the new year. Absolutely. It's going to be the theme of next year, especially the first half of the year. We haven't seen growth like this. Maybe I mean you have to really go back to the financial crisis, but I think it'll be even more than that. And the snapback in growth is going to be something that I think the trade isn't aware of. So it's 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 you know I think it's valued here and it's still relatively cheap if you look to where we were the last decade. Sounds good. Thanks so much, John. John Payne joining us. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. That'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, you can go to podcasts at krvn.com.